Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You know, I've seen a common theme this week. I don't know if any of you have realized this, but it seems like these older companies, the old dinosaur companies, are starting to fight back against the newer, shinier tech companies. General Motors, for example, just released this vehicle, the Hummer EV. It's really good looking, in my humble opinion, and it's very, very powerful. This is actually a pleasant surprise from GM. This is the company that we've been told can't compete with Tesla. But here they are giving it their attempt. They came out with this advertisement that is just crazy. One of the crazier car ads I've ever seen. So we're going to take a look at this and see if GM can compete with the Cybertruck. And then we can also see the same thing happening with JP Morgan. We've been told this narrative for the past five or six years that the big banks, JP Morgan and Bank of America, Citibank and Wells Fargo, all of them are going to be replaced by the new fintech companies, PayPal and Square. That's the narrative that we've been told. Square and PayPal have both been taking a lot of market share from these companies. But here we have, finally, 10 years later, JP Morgan deciding to take their competition very seriously and competing head on with Square. They created a similar product that basically functions the same way Square does. It's a hardware dongle that allows any business to easily accept card transactions. Now, this product doesn't only match what Square's doing, but they also added some things to sweeten the deal for businesses. So, We're going to take a look at this dynamic as well. We see JP Morgan finally fighting back against Square. We see GM finally fighting back against Tesla. We see the older companies against the new. Who has the advantage? Who doesn't? We're going to discuss it in this episode. Now, before jumping into that, if you're not a member of the All Access Patreon, you have the chance now to join today and try it out for a week for free. So there's no risk. You're not locked into anything. You can try it out for one week for free and see if it's something you enjoy. It gives you access to a Discord community that's really active with a lot of investors in it. There's some really good information shared there, as well as you get access to a portfolio analysis website, some exclusive episodes that you can watch, and a lot more. So there's a link in the description if you want to try that out. If you join now, you get one week for free. Okay, now let's first take a look at this Hummer EV. One thing I want to mention before we look at this advertisement for it is that the car industry, especially for trucks and vehicles like the Hummer EV, there's a long-standing history of making their advertisements over the top. And it's kind of like a competition, it seems, that every single truck that comes out, every single vehicle like this, they try to make their advertisement more overblown, more exaggerated, more extravagant than the one prior. Now, this Hummer EV commercial... It skipped a few steps. They really pushed the ball forward with this advertisement. I think they're going for some type of Guinness Book of World Records for the most ridiculous, over-the-top, exaggerated ad that's ever been created. And I'm not joking with that. So let's go ahead and take a look at just the introduction of it so that you can get an idea of what I'm talking about. We're going to start off in no other place than space. The real revolutionaries... There's lightning. The ones that change the game. There's a wolf. Understanding strength is never enough. Seems like there's some bad weather, maybe a storm coming in. There's an abandoned city. Lights flickering. World not as it is. Light bulbs shattering. Now we're flying through a vortex in space. There's now we're back on planet Earth. Flying through the sky. 
And then you hear a beat coming in, and that's Led Zeppelin. That's the immigrant song that they have to this advertisement. And then here's the actual vehicle, this missile creating the dust cloud, going through the desert at what looks 100 miles an hour. That's the Hummer EV. It says at the bottom there that this is a simulation. So they actually animated this, which I think fits together with the entire theme. The introduction of this, to me, it feels a little bit like a Marvel movie, like they're going to introduce some new superhero. But no, this is an advertisement for a car. Now, this literally just plays Led Zeppelin showing different angles of this vehicle for the next, I think, minute or so. It shows probably 500 different angles of this driving around from the desert to the forest to the freeway to a tunnel. It shows the speed. We got a nice view of the front there and so on. We're back in the desert. Now we're back in the forest and now we're on the moon and then we're back in the desert. This is not skipping around. This is literally just the advertisement. And this is where we get to the stats. It has 1,000 horsepower. Now, that's not a joke. That is a seriously powerful vehicle. Then it says, watts to freedom, standby to ready. And it goes from 0 to 60 in 3 seconds. Shows him racing a bullet bike. With the next generation of Super Cruise, a driver assistance feature that offers hands-free driving with automatic lane changing on compatible roads. So it has lane assisting and changing lanes. He overtook a vehicle there with Super Cruise. That's what they're calling it. To reduce turning radius and enhance overall maneuverability. That's another unique thing about this vehicle. It has both the front and the back wheels turn. That's something I haven't seen in a vehicle before. Now, this is something I do like. It has these nice, pretty blue lights that show a charging animation when it's plugged in. So if it's in your garage and it's charging, you'll see those nice little LED headlights light up. Things get even more revolutionary when you head off the pavement. Okay, now we're seeing it go back off-road. Then we go through the customizable drive modes, which looks oddly similar to a video game. And then it gets to one of those drive modes. It's adaptive air ride suspension to lift approximately six inches. That's revolutionary breakout capability. So one of the drive modes is that it has air suspension. And then we get to one of the crazier features in this, crab walk. Hummer EV has the ability to drive diagonally. For an agility no other truck can match. That is crab mode. It can drive sideways because the back wheels, like the front, can also turn. Now this goes on. He actually takes the vehicle over a jump. Engineered to ensure domination. He said that's innovation engineered to ensure domination. I like that line there. But now we get to the serious part of the sad, which it feels like we've watched the entire first act of a movie. But this is, again, an advertisement. But Hummer EV is much more than an off-road beast. From the distinctive signature of its six-bar grille to its micro-optic welcome walk-away and battery charging animations, every aspect of the Hummer EV has been designed to look and act unlike anything out there. Apparently from the sounds of it, they actually have Batman narrating this commercial. The industry-leading infinity roof, transparent sky panels, and rear drop glass give the Hummer EV an immersive open-air design. So similar to a Jeep, you can actually remove the entire roof. Experience the world like never before, or even the universe for that matter. With this vehicle, you can experience not only planet Earth like never before, but also the universe. If you buy the Hummer EV, you can experience the universe like never before. Then at the end of this ad, because it's like 20 minutes long, it actually has a refresher course for the many features of it. It has crab mode, extract mode, watts to freedom, ultimate batteries, 
It has the charging indicators, four-wheel steering, ultra vision, next-gen super cruise, underbody armor, infinity roof. They had to come up with a lot of names for this. That's a lot of features they had to name. And of course, you can order it on gmc.com. So that's the Hummer EV ad. That is the mini film we just watched. I was half expecting it to say directed by Michael Bay underneath, but they didn't have Shia LaBeouf in it. Now, in all seriousness, when I saw this vehicle, I was actually pleasantly surprised with how it looks. I think it's a pretty good looking vehicle. It does have some pretty amazing features, a thousand horsepower, the back wheels turn, air suspension that can lift the truck up. There's lots of cameras. It seems like it's a very rugged interior and it's got a good aesthetic. So I think overall, this vehicle is a winner. I do think it will be a pretty good competitor in the EV world. One of the downsides is it can only go 350 miles. And I think the biggest downside by far is the price point. The price point puts this vehicle firmly in the ultra luxury category starting at $112,595. So $112,000 for the first time they're releasing it. That obviously prices out most people from buying it. They say that they're going to release a version after the premium version that's like $80,000. So maybe a bit more affordable, but that's still pretty expensive. You can go on and pre-order the Cybertruck for $40,000, the cheapest version of it. And then the most expensive version available is the base cost of the cheaper version of the Hummer EV. So the price point is obviously much more friendly for the Tesla. I think they're going for a much broader audience. The Hummer EV is going to be another super premium car that I think mostly really wealthy people are going to be picking up. Now, overall, I think that this product is a winner by GM. I think they came out with one of the first vehicles that actually really impresses me. It looks fantastic. It has really good stats. It's being well-received. The video has a lot of buzz. It has over 4 million views, 37,000 likes, 2,000 dislikes. That's a really good ratio. And then if you even look through all the comments, all of the top comments are people saying that they love the look of it. Good job, GM. We really like this vehicle. I want to buy one. You know, not every one of these people are going to be buying this vehicle, but it shows the reception of it is overwhelmingly positive. So I think GM did a really good job with this. I don't think this is going to hurt Tesla that much. This Tesla Cybertruck is in a completely different price range. A lot of people are going to be able to afford the Cybertruck. They won't begin to afford the GM Hummer. And also people that have completely different preferences on the looks. The Hummer is a much more traditional look. The Cybertruck is a very unique look. So people that want the more unique Tesla look, they can go with the Cybertruck. And people that want to pay up a lot more cash and they want the more traditional look can go with the Hummer EV. Now moving on, GM isn't the only company that has found itself trying to fight off newer, younger competitors. JP Morgan Chase, which is one of the oldest banks in existence and one of the biggest banks in existence, is also trying to manage this huge company while fighting off these other smaller, leaner, more efficient, trendier companies like Square and PayPal. There's been a continuous narrative going on that Square and PayPal will take over banking. They'll take all the customers from JP Morgan and Citibank and Wells Fargo and Bank of America, the big four, and they'll transition over to Square and PayPal. That's been this narrative that I think has been created. And JP Morgan is finally taking a stance against this. After 10 years, they're showing aggressive competition with their fintech peers. And how does JP Morgan plan on competing with Square? By basically copying them. The bank is rolling out a checking account that is paired with a new fintech-inspired service called Quick Accept. That's what JP Morgan's calling it, Quick Accept. According to the JP Morgan executives, Quick Accept lets merchants take payments within minutes, either through a mobile app or a contactless card reader, and users will see sales hit their Chase business accounts on that same day. That is the kicker right there. That is the thing that JP Morgan has that's over Square. That fast funding is offered free, 
unlike competitors including Square, which typically take a day or more and charge a 1.5% fee to make the instant transfers to external accounts. So this is the big advantage JP Morgan has. Since they're already a well-established bank, they have all that infrastructure built out, they can offer same-day transfers from the sale to your business account instantly and for free. Square has their point-of-sale devices, but they don't have the banking infrastructure built out. So in order to have that same-day instant transfer, you'd have to pay a 1.5% fee. Otherwise, you're left waiting a day or more for those transactions to hit your business account. If you're running a small business, having your money from the time of sale to your business account, having that happen the same day is extremely advantageous. Being able to see your money instantly transferred to your account is something that every small business owner would want. There's nobody that wants to say, I want to wait two or three days to be able to receive my money. So this is a bit of reversal of roles. So far, it's been the new fintech companies are offering everything for free. Everything's instant. You know, they don't really charge you any fees for anything. And then the old banks, the old companies, those are the ones that are slow, less efficient. They charge you fees and nickel and dime you on everything. Well, JP Morgan recognizes this and they seem to have flipped the roles. Now JP Morgan is offering the efficient service for free, the same day transfers, and Square's left charging people one and a half percent for same day transfers, or you have to wait a couple of days. So I think this is a pretty good move from JP Morgan. So not only is JP Morgan offering those same day transfers free, but they also have another advantage in that they're already an established bank with a really big customer base. They actually have three million plus accounts. They have roughly 10% of the whole deposit base for small businesses in this country. And so for the most part, when they flip this on and they've, they've, they're starting to do that this week, you know, their customers will have access to something that people who use Square or PayPal or Clover, which is owned by First Data, which is owned by Fiserv, they've had for years, which is this ability to do point of sale credit card transactions through a little hardware device called Dongle. I think this is the story of this is really the democratization of FinTech. Square and Jack Dorsey basically invented this category a decade ago. And now, you know, now JP Morgan's clients will have access to it. In the U.S., there's roughly 30 million small businesses. JP Morgan already has 3 million that they can instantly push this feature out to. So they don't need to start finding new clients right away. They can just convert the clients they already have. Now, he brings up the large customer base that JP Morgan has as an advantage, and he also brings up the infrastructure they have to implement this for free. And for the most part, if you, you, know, if you look at this from JP Morgan's perspective, they're actually, they're, actually, they're actually the differentiator, right? If you can't be first, you have to be a little bit better. So JP Morgan is offering this with essentially same day funding. So for instance, if you're a merchant, you sell something, you have a sale at 10 a.m., that money hits your Chase business account that same day. And if you're working with Square or the others, because they don't have integrated, they don't have the same offerings, they don't have the, the, the checking account necessarily, as well as, you know, the fintech offering, the payments rails, that they take at least a day or, day or more. And on top of that, if you want instant, you know, instant payments with Square or others, they typically charge an additional 1.5%. So this is, the, this is the wedge that JP Morgan thinks they have. They basically say that if you work with us, you're going to get same day payments and it's for free. This is the advantage that JP Morgan believes that they have. Now, is this going to kill off Square and PayPal? 
No, I don't think so. Not even close. I think those type of all or nothing forecasts are pretty dramatic. I don't think that Square and PayPal were ever going to kill off JP Morgan or other big banks. And I also don't think that moves like this from JP Morgan are going to kill off Square. I think what's going to happen is these companies are going to become more and more alike. JP Morgan and the other big banks, they'll invest more in technology and they'll become leaner, while the other fintech companies will try to build out more infrastructure. And like Square's doing right now, they'll have to become banks to do it. So I see both of these coming full circle and actually becoming more like each other. Now, one thing I'm going to be changing as a result of this news and other ways that I'm managing my portfolio is I'm going to change around the way that I make bets on companies. I'm going to be focusing on the companies that I have the strongest conviction on and I've done the most research on. For instance, in my financial sector here, I have like six different holdings. I'm going to be selling out of all the banks except for JP Morgan. This is the bank that I have the strongest conviction on. So I'm going to hold JP Morgan. I'm going to hold T. Rowe Price. That's not really a bank, but this is another company that I've done research on. I have a pretty strong conviction on it. And I do not have the same conviction on Royal Bank of Canada, Toronto Dominion Bank, or Bank of America. So these three holdings I'm going to be exiting out of, and I'm just going to put that money in a Vanguard index fund. So I'll have exposure to a lot of different banks with the Vanguard Index Fund. It still pays a good dividend. It'll have a decent yield. That way I don't have to focus around any of these other holdings. Instead, I can focus on the companies that I'm more interested in, which is JP Morgan and T. Rowe. Now, why do I choose JP Morgan over Royal Bank of Canada or Bank of America or Wells Fargo or any other bank? The primary reason why is I think that it's a more modern big bank. I think that it's more focused on tech. I can see that with their websites and their apps and the tools that they build. I think they're really good at tech and they have a big focus on this. The fact that they came out with this card reader confirms my thoughts that JP Morgan is going to be the most competitive big bank against these fintech companies. I think it's the one big bank that will really give them a run for their money. So this is the company that I want to put a more concentrated bet on and not worry about these other banks. So that's some changes I'm going to be doing in my portfolio. If I don't have a strong conviction for a company, I'm going to index it. I'm just going to throw it into an index fund. I'll have broad exposure that way. All of them pay dividends. And the companies that I have a stronger conviction on, that I've done more research on, and that I'm more confident of, those are going to be the ones that I choose as individual holdings. Now, overall, my portfolio is doing okay. I put some money in this last week, so we're up to $129,000. We have almost $14,000 in gains. Roughly $5,000 of that is dividends, and then the market gains is about $9,000. So I've been depositing a lot of money into the portfolio recently for good or bad. We're going to see what happens after the elections if it affects the market. So we're at a point now with a value of $129,000 where it feels like the shifts in the market really have a big impact. When you're first starting to invest and you only have a couple thousand dollars, mostly what affects your portfolio are just deposits. That's typically what affects it. Even if it goes up like 5 or 10% or down 5 or 10%, mostly what you're doing is building up your, your holdings and you're building up your positions. That's initially what happens when you start investing. It's kind of saving, especially if you invest in stable companies. But when you get to a point where you have over six figures in it, the changes in the market have a much bigger effect. Like the past month period was a $7,000 change. That's a pretty significant change for a 30-day period. So this can happen again. The portfolio could go up a lot, could go down a lot. I don't know what's going to happen through the elections. There's a lot of predictions of what's going to happen, who's going to win, how it's going to affect the market. I do have some thoughts on that that I'm going to be sharing in another video. But for now, I'm just holding tight. 
and I'll keep you guys up to date with everything that happens. So whatever direction the market goes, we'll see how it affects my portfolio. For good or bad, I'll show you every single week. So if you want to see that in the future, just make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Okay, let's move on to some questions. The email address is joseph at josephcarlsonshow.com. You can email in any question you have. The first one is from Paul. He says, hey, Joseph, first of all, thank you very much for your insights and opinions on market situations and stocks. I had an argument with a friend that the company's store capital is undervalued right now and that it is looking good for a bright future. But as we discussed the future when it comes to retail and malls or shopping streets, we came up to the decision that more and more sales will be made online. What do you think? Isn't the future of shopping malls kind of on the edge of a decrease? Thank you for your opinion. Greetings from Germany. Well, Paul, I appreciate the email. I think what you're discussing with your friend is a good argument to be had. And I do agree with your conclusions. More and more shopping is definitely going to be online. That's just the direction, that's the tailwinds, that's where things are heading, is to online shopping. But one of the issues with the premise of your question is that you're almost asking as if store capital is a retail REIT. That's not exactly what store capital is. Only 18% of their entire portfolio are retail companies. And then within those retail companies, the owner has specifically targeted the type of companies that he thinks are less likely or less viable to be online retail. For instance, you're talking about furniture stores. Yes, there's online furniture, but people do tend to like to go in and try out furniture in stores. There's also farm and ranch supply recreational vehicle dealers, hunting and fishing companies, used car dealers, home furnishings, and other similar type of retail. What they don't have are things that are easily put on Amazon. That's what they try to avoid. So he does realize that things are moving online. So they've limited the amount of exposure they have to retail. And then even within that exposure to retail, they try to target the companies that they think will be least affected by the shift to online shopping. Linda says, Dear Joseph, thank you for posting YouTube videos using M1. During the lockdown, I followed your videos and opened up an M1 account. You say, my question is, pondering what to do about, quote, diaper change moments. I have not heard it called that before, but I get what you're saying. Or steep market sell-offs that often happen within a few hours. Does M1 have a way to place stops on our holdings? Are they planning on adding that to the platform? You're asking if M1 is planning on adding stop losses to prevent you from losing a lot of money very quickly. That's a good question. I do not think that M1 is planning on adding that. I have not heard any rumor of it. And based on the fundamentals of the application, the way M1's targeted, it's all about very long-term investing. And so they don't do a lot of these short-term type of tools. I wouldn't imagine them adding that anytime soon. So if that's something that you're wanting in a broker, there's lots of them that do offer that. You can implement those tools. My suggestion, though, is when you're looking at risk, a lot of people, they define risk and they calculate it. The formula for risk is often volatility. That's the one thing that you can actually boil down risk into a calculation is how volatile is your portfolio, how volatile are your holdings. And you can get rid of volatility by buying uncorrelated assets and a bunch of different things to try to reduce that. Now, that is the like traditional financial way of defining risk. I've had many discussions with friends about how I see problems with that definition of risk, of volatility, of the stock market going up and down, and that being risky. What I think risk is, is the percent chance you have for permanent capital loss. So the chance you have of actually permanently losing your money, of having your portfolio go down and never returning back up. I define that as risk. I never want to have permanent loss, but I don't define volatility necessarily as risk. 
It is true that some companies like Tesla are much more volatile, so you might consider them more risky. But when I look overall in the stock market, and when I try to think of what's risky, I think what's risky is investing in companies or a portfolio that's easily disrupted, a portfolio that can easily have a lot of damage done to it that's permanent damage. I think that a less risky portfolio is investing in lots of companies or ETFs that are less likely to be disrupted. They have a wider moat and they have more protection from the various things that can happen. So there's different ways that you can define risk. What you're trying to do with a stop loss is remove volatility. That's what essentially you're trying to do. I think the best route in removing volatility is investing in a lot of uncorrelated assets that all move up and down at different times, and they all have different risk factors associated with them. So one event is unlikely to affect all of them. I really wouldn't recommend doing a stop loss because all that does is mean when your portfolio goes down, you're going to sell. That's all stop loss is. If your portfolio goes down to a certain predetermined point where you decided it's just going to sell out of it. And that's kind of a way of reinforcing a sell low behavior. You're saying if the portfolio goes down far enough, I want to sell out. That's not the time you really should be selling. It's okay for your portfolio to go down as long as you can hold through and allow it to come back up. My portfolio dropped significantly during March. It went from plus $16,000 in the green to minus $10,000 in the red within one month. I lost like $25,000 of value. That's okay because I kept invested. I still held the companies. In fact, I continued to invest quite a bit in March and buy these same companies at lower prices. So rather than confirming a sale when the stock market dropped, I used that as an opportunity to buy companies that I think would do well within this new environment. So that's allowed it to go back into the green. I think if I sold out at some predetermined point when the stock market decided to go down, it's very difficult to know when to buy back in. Many people are waiting on the sidelines for a second big drop because they never found a time to buy back into the market. So I think if your goal is to reduce volatility overall, I think you should build a diversified portfolio that has uncorrelated assets that are likely to reduce volatility. If your goal is to just have stop losses and sell when the market goes down, you're going to have to use another broker for that. Okay, well, that's going to be all for this episode. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. If you haven't, make sure to subscribe to the channel. It's free and takes two seconds to do. It helps me out. If you also watch the video to the end, make sure to like it. It helps recommend it to other people so they can see the same information. And like always, I appreciate all of you and I'll talk to you next time.